Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Keith Walton. I'm the, our campus pastor at our South Augusta campus, uh, affectionately known as Journey Sherwood. Um, and so I'm excited to be here today, whether you're watching online or in the atrium. Um, I'm excited that Bobby has uh, given me the opportunity to share the second installment of this series that we call NIL. I can remember a couple of months ago when we were sitting in our creative meeting and we were trying to figure out the title for this series and we threw out all these different things and then he pipes up and goes, man, what if we called it NIL? And automatically I had a big smile over my face and all of these sports analogies started just pouring into me. I was like, man, I got so much I can use. I got so much I can use. And then when I went to pray and started to put it together, I don't think I'm using not one sports analogy. I cannot believe it. NIL, it stands for name, image, and likeness. There are three elements that make up the right of publicity, a legal concept used to prevent or allow the use of an individual to promote a product or service. So a little background about the history. Um, the NCAA ended up getting sued by uh, these group of athletes, specifically from Northwestern University, because they're names or the image of them or their likeness were, were being used in this uh, video game, uh, NCAA College Football. Uh, if you are a gamer and you have not had the luxury of playing that game, you have missed out. It was phenomenal. And however, the ruling came back for the college athletes that, you know what, they are using an image of you they are using a likeness of you. Therefore, you should be compensated for this company every time they sell this video game. You should get a little percentage of it. Then it took it a step further. So on bookstores, on college campuses, all around the top players' names, their jersey number, and the name on the back of their jersey would be sold in bookstores. And this ruling says, you know what? If the college is going to sell in your name on the back of a jersey, you should get a percentage of every sale. Matter of fact, if they were to do bobblehead, somebody created a bobblehead type thing for uh, Pastor Ronner, Pastor Allen, and uh, it looks just like him. Whoever did it, kudos to you. Um, but if they were to do something like that and they were to sell this in the bookstore, any store in the city, in the country for that matter, you should get a percentage of that sale. That's name, image, and likeness. And last week when Pastor Bobby ended his message, he talked about this hockey team, this USA hockey team playing for goal and the coach giving them their pregame speech. And he talked to them about not playing for the name on the back of the jersey, but playing for the name on the front of the jersey, which represented USA. 
It was bigger than just the name on your back. You're not playing this game for yourself. You're playing so, for so much more. You're playing for your family that's not here. You're playing, you're playing for that coach that ever taught you how to play the game of hockey. You're playing for so much more. You're playing for hope and dreams. You're playing for so much more. So as I prayed about this and I'm thinking, God, which angle do you want me to take as I share with your people? He said, tell them my name. So we're going to look at the name of God or the names of God. Name is defined as a word or a set of words by which a person, animal, place or thing is known, addressed or referred to. And I got to thinking, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day. They, they had a German shepherd and the German shepherd had just had puppies. And uh, I was in the Instagram video black hole or portal and I'm just scrolling. And I come across this baby that sees a puppy for the very first time in its life. All oh, the smile on that baby's face. The love that they had, that puppy's looking all over them. They're just having a good time. And as that baby were to mature and get older, he would start using his words. And anytime he would see a puppy, he would say, puppy, puppy. And the puppy would respond, tail just wagging just as fast. And it'll run and jump on the baby. And the baby would love him and hug and love, love on the puppy. Some of you even do the exact same thing. The moment you see a puppy. You just go puppy and it's just like a magnet. Your hands just go down to it and you want to pick the puppy up. But as you mature and you get a little bit older, for me, every dog that I had growing up, I called the dog by the description of the way the dog looked. So if it was a brown dog, his name was Peanut. Made sense, looked like peanut butter to me, so Peanut. If the dog was black and it had a spot on him, a white spot, I got deep in the names that I can call this dog. And I looked at that dog and I said, spot. <laughs> and the dog responded, so it fit. Then I got a little bit older and I realized that there were titles that actually went to dogs. And Certain dogs were known a certain way. Before we had service, I was talking to Pastor Meeks' wife, and she's a nurse, and she uses rescue dogs. And I asked her, what type of dogs do y'all generally use? And she goes, well, Labradoodles and Retrievers. And I pondered, well, why wouldn't you use a Rottweiler? <laughs> and you know why. It makes sense why Bull Mastiffs are not dogs that are used in the hospital. Our pit bulls are dogs that are not used in a, not saying that they couldn't, they just, the breed, the characteristics, the attributes of those dogs dictate a certain, I remember I had this one dog and I want to call him fire engine dog. Because whenever I saw these dogs growing up, I always saw them and associated them with fire engines. What kind of dog am I talking about? Exactly. Certain characteristics of Dalmatians make them accessible to be used with the fire department. Names are important. 
And when you go from being a baby to an adult, you understand that those dogs, cats may even be the same way, horses, animals, that certain breeds are used for certain different things. Their characteristic of the breed makes them important. Names are important. I grew up watching uh, this show called Good Times. And and in, in this particular episode, and this, they had a reoccurring character, and he only came around during election time. And he was a bald-headed male, and his name, his, his title was Alderman, his last name was Davis. I don't even know what his first name was. I just always called him and referred to him as Alderman Davis. And he only showed up at the Evans household when it was election time. And he only showed up when he wanted to conjure up votes for his favor. And he would come in the house and he would look at the father and he said, James, it's good to see you. Give him a firm handshake. He would go put his arms around the mother, Florida. It's so good to see you. He named all the kids. And when he would refer to the friend of the family whose name was Valona, he would call her something like Wilhelmina, Wajandra. He would just butcher her name and her facial expression said everything because it was disrespectful that he could name everybody else, but he gets her name wrong. I um, had the opportunity of being a principal for several years, and I can remember one day we had a parent-teacher conference. And I was putting out fires, all stuff that principals do. And I was running late to get to the meeting. And I come into the meeting with the parent. I sit down and I look at her face. And she's got this look on her face like, "Mm mm-mm, this ain't good. They've been meeting for about 20 minutes. And I go, oh, man, what what has happened? What has happened? And the teacher began to talk about and laying praise upon praise upon praise about this kid. And this is what we need to do. And your son is this. And if we could do that. And the lady said, can I stop you for just a second? We've been going on for about 15 minutes. And you've been telling me about Chris. But my John's name, my son's name is John. And I go, oh, my goodness. There is no saving this. Names matter. That parent absolutely had the right to be upset that that teacher did not even have the respect to sit down to get her child's name right. And when I was uh, sharing this with my family, I asked my daughter and my wife last night, I'm thinking about like worst case scenarios for pastors. So I said, what is worse? To be at a wedding and they go through the I do's and I say, you may now kiss the bride and they kiss the bride and they turn to the cloud of witnesses and I say, I now present to you Mr. and Mrs. his first name, her first name, but I mean his first name, his last name, but I get the name wrong. Oh, harp. Now, I never did that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I never did that. But I'm like, man, that is horrible. What could be worse than that? Doing a eulogy. <laughs> and from the beginning to the end, you say the wrong name. Names matter. Names matter. Using a person's name demonstrates that you care. It reinforces that they matter as an individual. It shows that you're paying attention. It makes them feel valid. It enhances your credibility. Names matter. 
couple of years ago, uh, March 29th, 2018, a young man had just returned from a Carnival Cruise Line cruise. While he was there, or while he was on the way to get to the cruise, to the port, he downloaded Snapchat. He did not use his name for Snapchat. He used at Carnival Cruise Fun. All one word, at Carnival Cruise Fun. And while he was on the cruise, he would snap all of these pictures of everybody and himself, these selfies, having a good time. At Carnival Cruise Fun. At Carnival Cruise Fun. Picture after picture after picture. Well, Carnival Cruise had just uh, been bought out. And this in particular person, this particular person that purchased them named himself the chief fun officer. His name, Shaquille O'Neal. And Shaquille O'Neal thought, man, our marketing team did not come up with the tag at Carnival Cruise Fund. This kid did, and we need that back, but he owns the Snapchat handle. So they went to Virginia and Shaquille O'Neal bought these, uh, these U-Haul trucks and they put uh, th these pictures on this U-Haul truck and it says on every U-Haul truck, does anybody know Darian? And it was a picture of Shaquille O'Neal. They had these billboards up. Does anybody know Darian? And it was these instructions that Carnival Cruise was trying to get in touch with Darian all across the state. And eventually people would start sending them stuff. People would start giving them information to the point where they were able to show up at Darian Lipscomb's house. He's a 15-year-old. Shaquille O'Neal's at your front door. You open the door, he goes, and he goes, hello, Darian. <laughs> so what they did was they wanted to purchase Carnival Cruise Fund from this young man. And what they gave him was $5,000, an all-expense paid trip overseas on a cruise. They would fly him and his family in. They paid for the hotel. They paid for all his food. I mean, they rolled out the red carpet. Darian used the right name. Darian used the right name. Darian also, the name of the cruise ship that he was on, that he added in Snapchat, he's telling everybody how good of a time that, it, that, that he's having. My message today is going to center around three names, and they're three names of God. If God is good, as much as we say he is, and if he is good, if he is good, as good, as much as we sing about, then we should know his names, plural, not singular. Knowing God as he is named in scripture enables us to trust him to be faithful. He is described by his name throughout the Old and New Testament. The name of God not only points to who he is, they give us a clear picture of what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. The names of God gives us a clear picture of what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. For many of us, we call him God. For many of us, we call him Lord. 
For many of us, we call him Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that at all, at all. Those are absolutely names of God. But I was wondering this, Pastor Bobby, the pastor of this church, I have never, ever heard anyone call him Mr. Smith. It's not wrong. It is absolutely correct. As a matter of fact, I had to ask this today. What do they call Bobby's daddy? Do they call him Mr. Smith? I literally went to him specifically to ask, do the people call you Mr. Smith? He goes, no, they call him Pops. I'm like, okay, okay, so we never call Pastor Bobby Mr. Smith. We don't even call his daddy Mr. Smith. And it's why those two individuals are extremely relational. They want you to know them deeper than just the title of the name Mr. Smith. And I suggest to you that God, our Heavenly Father, wants to know you deeper than just God. Father, Lord, my goal is that after today, you will literally research the names of God. Why? They give you a clear picture of what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. When Jesus was asked to teach the disciples how to pray, Jesus said, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed. Be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. I used to read through that and had no idea that that's what that, I used to insert words. I know I ain't the only one. Our Father who art in heaven, how would it be? I'm like the pastor up there talking. He got a speech impediment or something because he don't know what it. Hallowed. No, it's how would it be? That ain't, no, that's incorrect. It's Hallowed. Hallowed means to make holy, consecrate, set apart. Hallowed means when Jesus tells this to the disciples, he's telling them to make his father's name holy, to consecrate it, to set it apart. And to us today, it still applies. God's name is to be hallowed, special, set apart, consecrated. John 14, 13 says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. John 16, 23, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. Psalms 9, 10, those who, who know your name, trust in you. We just sang a song about that. I trust the Lord because he heard and he answered. Those who know my name. The names are given by, or the names are given by God to the people. God is personable, is personal and knowable. And one of the ways his personality is known is through his names. Each name of God reveals one of his qualities and characteristics. That's why we need to know his names. They're given to us, for us, and they reveal his qualities or characteristics. 
These names were given to God's people in order to help them through moments of need or when they were in a crisis. Moments of need or when they were in a crisis. These names of God. The first name that we're going to look at today is Elohim. Elohim, the supreme one, mighty one, the creator God. Elohim is the creator God. Is the creator. God identifies himself as in as Elohim 35 times at the start of scripture in Genesis. In fact, Elohim is the only name used for God from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 2-3. The literal translation of the name Elohim is strong one. Genesis 1-1 and 1-2 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. Pastor Keith, what does this have to do with anything? Keith's, keys that I want you to look at in this was formless, empty, darkness. Formless, empty, darkness. When are people, or when do people feel like they're formless? They have no direction, no shape, no guide, no purpose. When do people feel like they're empty? When do people, I literally use this term all the time. Are you in a dark place? Are you in a good place? In darkness. When are people in despair? When do they feel hopeless? When are they dealing with depression? This past week, we did this thing with uh, Augusta University uh, called QPR training. And it was for suicide prevention. And some of the things that we talked about, the buzzwords when people are in despair, it's because they feel like they have no guidance. They feel like that nobody cares for them. They feel like nobody would miss them. They feel like nobody cares. They're empty. They're in a dark place. This is when you need to call out to creator God, Elohim. Man, he literally spoke, let there be light. It is in his nature. It is, in his, it is in his nature. So when we are struggling, if you call out the name of God, Elohim, creator God, do you know God is Elohim in your life? Is he the supreme one? Is he the mighty one? Do you acknowledge him as creator God? So I got to praying and seeking God's face. God, wow, when have I ever acknowledged you as creator God? And he hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, man, when you went to Pretty Place, it's in the mountains in Greenville. Has anybody, has anybody ever been to Pretty Place? All right, so those of you that don't know, it is a sanctuary cut into the side of a mountain. It's got a cross. And it's literally like an amphitheater that goes down. And the base of the floor of this amphitheater overlooks this mountain range. And when you stand on the edge and you look out and you see all of God's magnificent creation, you realize Elohim, creator God. It just takes your breath away. You're in awe. Another time that I saw creator God is when I was in the delivery room for the birth of my child. And when they put my daughter in my hand, oh, I'm quivering. Oh, I'm shaking. 
because I'm in such awe of creator God. Elohim is one of God's names that we should call on. Another one is Adonai. It means my Lord. It comes from the singular word Adon, which translates into master or ruler. It contains the concept of dominion, rulership, and ownership. Psalms 5010 says, for the animals, for all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. This is God talking about what he has created that he then possesses. It is his. He has rule and dominion over it. And if you are a child of God and you call him father, he has rule and dominion over you. He, you are, he is Adonai. You also find this in the song, the, the, not the song, the blessing, but in the blessing that they made into a song. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. May Adonai bless you. May Adonai smile on you and be gracious to you. May Adonai show you his favor and give you his peace. Pastor Keith, how come we don't just use those words all the time and I don't see them in my Bible? Because they were Hebrew. And we're going to look at a word in just a second that when translated, it was so, it was so holy and so sacred that they couldn't even say it. The word is Jehovah. We know it today as Jehovah. And it means the holiest. Back when it was first used in God's word, it was Y-H-W-H. I used to think that was a misprint. I used to think, why did they leave those vowels out? And it was intentional because in the Hebrew culture, the vowels didn't exist. So Y-H-W-H. And those of you that grown up in church, you know this as what? Yahweh. Yahweh. But it was literally Y-H-W-H. Another name for God. And it's approximately the holiest name of God. In Hebrew, the name was so sacred that it was never written or spoken. And the scholars are not, they weren't even sure how to pronounce it. That's how holy this name was. So they added some vowels to it and it was still too sacred. So they then changed it to Jehovah. And we first see this word Jehovah when we see Moses at the burning bush. Moses is at the burning bush. And God commands for him to take off his shoes because the land that he stands on is holy, is sacred ground. And he gets to this, they're having some dialogue back and forth, but Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I say to them? God replies to Moses, you tell them, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am 
has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Moses was to go to the children of Israel and say, I am sent me. Remember, Yahweh, it was so sacred it couldn't really even be pronounced. So Jehovah means I am. Now we sing a song called Jireh. But when you put Jehovah in front of Jireh, and Jireh means provider, Jehovah becomes I am the provider. We see this. When Abraham is getting ready to go take his son to be sacrificed and he lays his son down on the altar and he's getting ready to sacrifice his son. But Jehovah Jireh shows up and provides a sacrifice. There's a ram in the bush. You put that ram on the altar. You sacrifice that ram. Jehovah, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the provider. Now, there's a lot of subsets to this Jehovah. That's Jehovah Roha, the Lord, my shepherd, which literally means I am the shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, which literally means I am the healer. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner, which literally means I am the banner, the banner. They will hold it to be on this pole and this flag sticking out in front. And whoever you represented, when you went into battle, the banner went first. So whatever you're battling right now, Jehovah Nisi, I am the banner is already going before you. Do you know him by name? Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. This is God literally telling us, I am the peace. Do you know me? Do you know me by name? Do you know me? This past Wednesday, was second Wednesday down at our Sherwood campus. We opened the campus up at five o'clock. It's for the community to come in and they get food, clothes, and toiletries. They get fellowship and they get prayer. We generally have about 75 people. And it started at 5. We're supposed to be done at 6.30. It's about 7.20. All of our honored guests are gone and the volunteers are tidying up and they're about to finish. I go to my office. I pack my, my backpack, put it on my shoulders, and my wife comes to me and she goes, there's a lady outside that needs to speak to the pastor. Well, first of all, I know my wife is serious because she didn't call me Keith. She didn't call me Mr. Walton. She didn't call me whatever. She said, the lady needs to speak to the pastor. So I go outside. I see the car. I go around to the driver's side. She rolls down her window. She goes, are you the pastor? And I go, yes, ma'am, I am. She goes, I need prayer. I'm not coming for food. I'm not coming for clothes. I'm not coming for any of that. I live right across the street. And I can tell now she's crying. Her lips are quivering. She's in crisis. She's in crisis. And she goes, I just want prayer. 
I said, well, what's, what's going on? She goes, my daughter, Mackenzie, I remember her name, Mackenzie. She got in a fight at school today. And this is so outside of her character. She's never done this before. She's never gotten in the fight. She's never going to speak to the principal in her office. She's never done any of that. And I'm struggling. I go, no, we can pray about it. I call my wife down. She goes, can I get out of the car? I say, yes, ma'am. She goes, can my daughter get out of the car? I go, okay, yes, ma'am. She gets out of the car. I introduce myself to Mackenzie. I say, Mackenzie, do you mind if we pray for you? She goes, no. I said, do you mind if, you hold, if I hold your hand? And can you hold your mom's hand? And then my wife held the mother's hand and I hold my wife's hand and we begin to pray. And we pray things like, Mackenzie, you were created in God's image. You were beautifully and wonderfully made. When you get agitated like this, pray for peace. When you did it, it's all on and on. I go, amen. And then my wife steps in front of me. She puts her arms around Mackenzie. And she says, Mackenzie, I want to tell you what my dad told me. In times that you are fearful, so in times that you are afraid, in times that you're agitated, frustrated, angry, mad, and you want to fight, and you don't know what to do, she says, my dad taught me to call on the names of the Lord. If you don't know him, just cry out to Jesus. He's enough. The mama's crying. The daughter's crying. And I shared this this morning, that uh, this story, the mama told me that they were going to be at church today. Hope I didn't embarrass her. But it was practical for what we're talking about. So when you're frustrated, when you're aggravated, when you don't know what to do, if you want a deeper relationship with your heavenly father, call him by his name, Elohim, Adonai, Jehovah. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to seek your face. Lord, we thank you that you want to be in a deeper, consistent relationship with us. Lord, stir up the gift that when we leave this place, that every man, every woman, even every child has this curiosity about who you are more than just the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are Elohim, Creator God. Adonai, the strong one, and Jehovah, the holiest. In your son Jesus' name, we all say. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextstepsjourneycommunity.net.